Welcome to the Around the Net podcast powered by Callaway Golf. Here's your host, AJ Volpel. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Around the Net podcast powered by Callaway Golf. I'm your host, AJ Volpel, broadcasting to you from Callaway headquarters in sunny Carlsbad, California, from our awesome little podcast studio. Uh, this is the third episode of the season, and if you've missed the first two, I highly suggest you go and check them out. Uh, it was a overview of the 2018 MGA Championship season with Chris Gaffney, who runs uh, the championships at the Metropolitan Golf Association, as well as Jeff Holshue, who is a chairman at Morgan Stanley. We talked all about the Players' Championship and his involvement uh, with a lot of different uh, committees and charities, and, and he's one of the most involved people in the sport. Uh, but today's episode is one that I am pretty, pretty, pretty excited about. And that's because in just a couple weeks, the world's best golfers are going to fly to the east end of Long Island. However, they're going to get there. Maybe they'll go into the city and take a train like you know a lot of us are going to. And they will go out to one of the world's greatest championship venues. Now, I say championship venues because it's not just one of the great golf venues. But this is one of the best sporting venues in the world. I'm talking, obviously, about Shinnecock Golf Club, historic place, one of the founding uh, clubs of the USGA. Uh, it is hosting, again, the first time since 2004. They hosted 95, 86, um, and a couple more. And on the podcast today, we are going to talk to John Jennings, who is in charge and responsible for the masterpiece that it is. He is the superintendent at Shinnecock, and we're going to talk all about getting the course ready for U.S. Open condition, what are some of the things that we can expect to see on TV in terms of condition, and how it will vary from what the pros will see to what members see on a, on a daily basis, among many other things. He even gave us a secret, a spoiler, if you will, to where the best spot on the entire course to watch all the action if you plan on attending, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are planning on uh, heading out to the east end of Long Island uh, in a couple weeks to to check out some of that action. So uh, super, super excited to bring you this podcast with John. John is uh, one of the best in the business. He's one of the nicest guys um, in the entire world, uh, someone who I love speaking to. But before we get to that conversation, always have to give a little love, a little plug to the Chrome Soft Golf Ball and the Chrome Soft X Golf Ball. New this year, infused with graphene, which is one of the world's lightest, strongest, and most flexible materials. Our engineers infused it to the outer core so they can make the inner core, the soft fast core, larger. This way you're going to get lower spin off the tee. You're going to get higher launch, amazing control around the greens. In, in terms of technology, there's no ball on the market that rivals it. Uh, it's... It, it's really changed a lot of people's games. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you one review that we actually literally just got in. It's from James Fox. He says, "Great ball!" Exclamation point. I switched over from the most used tour ball to Chrome Soft because it feels so much better being a softer compression. I love how the ball is so much easier to compress than my last ball. My scores are lower, and I'm completely satisfied with the change. Hashtag winner. I mean, that's pretty good. So don't take it from me. Uh, take it from James Fox, who just made the switch. Uh, but Jeff, do yourself a favor and just try it out. Test it against your gamer ball. See what happens. Uh, that's all we could ask. So CallawayGolf.com slash ChromeSoft is where you could find more information um, and, and purchase a box for, for you to try out and, and check it out. We'd love to hear the feedback. But I know what you guys came here for. 
you came here to listen to me talk about how I used to grow up on Long Island and drive past Shinnecock every single time on the way out to the East End. No, I'm just kidding. You want to hear how in the world a superintendent and his team can get a golf course ready for the world's greatest players and the world's brightest stage. And I have John Jennings for you for that exact reason. And he's coming up next right after these words. This is 2017 Masters Champion Sergio Garcia, and you're listening to Around the Med Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Callaway's Podcast Network by searching, you guessed it, Callaway Golf on iTunes. This way, you'll never miss an episode. All right, back to you, AJ. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Around the Met podcast powered by Callaway Golf. And on the line, calling from Southampton, New York, getting ready for the biggest major of the year, at least in my opinion, is uh, Shinnecock Superintendent John Jennings. John, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I hear it's pretty nice out there today. Is that right? It sure is, AJ. Thank you for having me on today. It's uh, it's absolutely stunning. Crystal clear, sunny, uh, light breeze out of the southwest, 73 degrees, warmest day we've had in 2018. So it's just been uh, a tremendous day to be outside, which is great after last week when it was overcast, rainy, and just cold. So it's nice to see the weather starting to turn as we approach uh, the end of the month. Yeah, I mean, it's about time for, for crying out loud. I mean, come on, end of May and 72. Usually we get one of, you know, yep. usually you get one of those in April or something like that, maybe even in March. But I know it's been a tough winter for you guys out there. Yeah, we, it, it, it's, it's a nice, uh, we haven't had much in the way of teasers. You're right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Usually we have a day or two where it's in the mid to upper 70s and it starts to get you thinking about spring. But boy, I, I've worn my winter coat more days than I can uh, than I can remember uh, this spring. It's just been the, the long, cold spring that's persisted forever. Uh, so it's nice to see that we're finally turning the corner. What? Um, I'm kind of uh, jumping ahead here with this question, but I'm just mm-hmm. kind of curious. What is like the ideal temperature for you and your team to perform at the best level? Like, Is it a cooler climate, or is it that 70-degree climate, or even warmer? Like, What, what would you say is prime for you guys yeah i you know ideally probably what's most comfortable for for golfers i mean if you're in the 75 to 80 degree daytime temperature and you have nighttime temperature dropping down in the low 60s uh i mean that's ideal and and turf growth is predicated upon soil temperature so once the soil temperature gets up above 55 degrees that's when you really see see the grass start to grow in our area um it's uh the whole weather scenario is based upon the ocean temperature until the water warms up it stays pretty cool out here in fact i was looking at the 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 forecast for this weekend uh in the new york city area they're supposed to be in the low to mid 80s and -hmm. then i looked at our forecast and we're going to be in the mid to upper 60s (laughs) so it's that much of a difference just you know 50 miles east out here so until the until the water warms up and uh any of those south winds it just really cools things off Uh, as i said it was we were up to 72 73 degrees this afternoon and once the wind shifted out of the south it dropped it back down in the 60s but it's still comfortable out yeah no that's great good to hear um especially leading up to the open in a couple weeks uh Mm -hmm. but you know so you've been at chinnecock now for a couple years what Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into uh, becoming a superintendent. And I know that you've been at um, a lot of a a lot of different courses uh, throughout your uh, long career as a superintendent. Give us a a little bit of a rundown um, on your kind of intro into it. 
Sure. I, I've been at, at Shinnecock for six years now. This is my seventh season. Uh, prior to Shinnecock, I, I worked at Chicago Golf Club in Wheaton, Illinois, for 12 years, which is another uh, club that's a member of the, of the five founding clubs yeah. in the USGA. So it's kind of neat to come from that historical background and, and then come to another uh, very uh, historic club such as Shinnecock. But I started off uh, working at a, a golf course, a small club in Connecticut, Madison Country Club. That's where my uh, where I grew up. My parents still live there in uh, in Madison, Connecticut. And uh, I just developed an interest in golf course management working at a golf course. I, it, was a, it was a great summer job. And I asked the superintendent when I was a senior in high school, I said, how did you get this job? And he mm-hmm. said, I went to school for it. And I laughed at him. And I said, you have to go to school mm-hmm. to learn how to grow grass. And he said, yes. <laughs> and then I paid a little bit, I paid a little more attention to uh, what he was doing. And I, I said, you know, I, I really like, uh, I really like this, uh, this career path. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about it? And I enrolled in the University of Massachusetts. And uh, I have a, a two-year degree in golf course management and a four-year degree in resource economics. And after that, I, uh, I, my first superintendent's position, I, I worked at Enjoy Golf Club in Endicott, New York, and uh, hosted the BC Open in 1988 and 89. Um, and from there, I, I worked at Highland Golf Club, hosted the New York State Open yep. in uh, 1992. After that, the Patterson Club in Fairfield, Connecticut, where I hosted sure. the Connecticut State Open in 96. And then I went out to Chicago Golf Club in uh, 2000, where we hosted the 2005 Walker Cup, and that really um, it made a, opened up a lot of uh, uh, doors, and ma- I had a lot of introduction to USGA staff members and committee members, and uh, it, it really uh, it helped me out in in guiding me to where I am today uh, with hosting the championship uh, with the United States Golf Association. Yeah, I mean, you know, jumping from Chicago to Shinnecock, uh, there's definitely um, a lot that you could probably relate to, um, you know, in terms of the membership, in terms of the golf courses, the history and all those mm-hmm. things. And I think um, Chicago's host, ho- also hosting a USGA event, right? Like the U.S. was it U.S. women, senior women's? Yeah, maybe? It's, it's the the inaugural U.S. Uh, senior women's yeah. open this summer. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a really uh, great event to have. And I was actually watching a, an intro video on monday at media day here and it was neat to see two clubs that i have been employed with uh in the usga lineup for this season it's just it's it's a really special uh special moment for me in time for um for the average golf fan who isn't familiar with shinnecock um you know the golf course itself why don't you why don't you tell a little bit about the course and what makes it uh just so outstanding yeah, it's it, it it's a lot of uh, there's a lot of factors that feed into it. I mean, first off, as we've chatted a little bit about when we came on the air, is uh, uh, the weather. The weather is such a big factor. Having the Peconic Bay to our north, and then the Atlantic Ocean to the south, just the wind out here is typically uh, very unpredictable. It can be benign in the morning and then around midday once the uh once the land starts to warm up you start to get some wind out of the north and that'll transition around to the south and during a round of golf you may have wind hitting you from two or three different directions and it can be very strong to the point where um uh, the flag sticks are are, are, (laughs) the flags are straight out on the flag sticks but starting off on the golf course, long, expansive vistas. It's a large property. It's 300 acres. Mm. Um, holes one through eight are uh, are just kind of winding and rolling holes with some dunes, uh, not a lot of trees, high grass areas. And then on number nine, that's when 
um, you really start to get into the into the teeth of the course. You have a, a large rise that comes back up to the clubhouse, and then you get into what I call the the rolling topography of the golf course with the dunes and number ten. That really, a long, it's a it's a good par four with a blind tee shot that drops down in a valley with a chip shot that comes back up. Eleven par three, oh, which has been called so the. I know it's my favorite <laughs> hole in the course. Oh, it's amazing. It's called the yeah the shortest par five in golf. Yep. And then the the vistas from 12, you can see the Atlantic Ocean on one side and the Peconic Bay on the other. Windmill of National, the cupola of, mm. of uh, Sabonic, and then to your right, you have Southampton Golf Club. So three large golf courses where you have, uh, you know, almost uh, 1,000 acres of golf all connected. It's just amazing. And then you finish up on 16 coming back toward the clubhouse and, and wind your way in on 18, and it's just a – the routing is magnificent, how it just used the existing topography and, and just really each hole fits in absolutely perfectly. And uh, from, from the first tee, you can see 15 of the 18 holes uh, looking across the property. You can see almost a mile in any direction. It, it's, just, uh, it's just stunning. It gives me chills just talking about it. I know. I mean, I grew up 45 minutes away from there, um, just uh, west of there in Nassau County. But, you know, mm-hmm. every single Every year uh, we would go out east to uh, the Hamptons or Montauk and just hang out, uh, whether it was with family or friends. But I'm the I'm totally the guy that the members probably hated because every single time <laughs> I went out east on 27, I made a left on <laughs> I made a left on Tucko Road and drove yep. through the course because I needed to look at it every single time. And then I'd go down Sabonic Inlet Road, down Nat to see National, and I literally yep. did that. I mean did that i i do i still do that every year i mean nothing is really nothing's changed when i go back home but it's just that you know talking to your point it's it's Mm -hmm. one of the most spectacular places in the entire world yeah and it's you know try to trying to verbalize it you know i think i think what you and i are saying will pique someone's interest but until you actually see it that's when you just fall in love with it and i've been i saw shinnecock for the first time in the early 90s and I, i was just awestruck by it uh, just as you say, when you drive through and and uh, see the topography and the few in the features, and especially if you catch it at sunset, mm. oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's unreal. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's like no place I've ever seen. No, it really isn't. Um, that's why I'm so happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm so happy the U.S. Open is going back there. Um, I've been, I feel like I've been waiting for, I don't know when they announced it, but um, feels like a long time. But uh, speaking of that, when mm-hmm. does your you and your team? begin to prep for the open so now um you know you're you're obviously setting it up for the members still it's open for the members but you're Mm -hmm. also taking into consideration uh the direction that the usj uh would like to see the course when does all that process begin for you oh gosh you know if if you want to go back and talk about the the initial discussion and setup it it occurred as soon as i started here in 2012 we started Mm -hmm. making you know uh, some of the restoration work that we've done as far as pushing the the greens uh back out to the edge of the the uh edges that were originally set up by William Flynn back in the 30s. We have uh, a great set of aerial photographs that we've worked with in order to get the uh the green margins out back back by the bunkers. Uh the greens have become round and and uh actually shied away from a number of the uh sections of the fill pad, but just really pushing them back out. That's what I think people are really going to uh, notice uh, from the player's perspective and also from from somebody watching golf is that they're 
greens may appear large. However, the whole location availability is, is rather small mm-hmm. as you look across these areas just because of the, the slope, the pitch, and uh, and overall shape of the green. But getting those back out to where they were has just been a, a great feat. So we've done that. We've cleared uh, a number of areas of scrubby brush and, and overgrown um, volunteer trees that have popped up in grassland areas and really worked on uh, getting these, these long, vast expanses of uh, view uh, of views across the golf course back in, in play the way they were back in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in more, uh, more recently, um, the difference between getting ready for the championship is just uh, getting the rough thick. And, I mean, the rough is brutal right now, considering the amount of rain that we've had <laughs> and we're mowing it higher than we typically do. Um, I've, I've watched people play and the golf ball just drops down in it. And mm. I mean, it, unfortunately it's a, it's a struggle to get it back out for the, for most players. Um, so that's one of the big changes and and we're just gradually working toward our championship conditions. The golf course is very healthy right now. We came out of the winter in uh, wonderful condition and the turf has reacted well to all the programs that we've instituted through top dressing and, uh, Overseeding with grasses that require less water and uh, and 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 can withstand greater environmental stresses, uh, and just all these things have have pulled together and really formed uh, a great footing for us to move forward in, during the championship. And how much of the how much of the setup is decided by you guys and the USGA? Is it like a is it a complete collaboration, um, or how does like the I mean, you don't have to get into you know pol- the politics or anything, but like how how much of that is is a collaboration? Oh, all of it. It's yeah. a completely collaborative effort. They look to us. We live here day in and day out, so so they're coming to us for information on how certain things react during different situations and and what happens. You know, you have to look at all the different scenarios, whether it's rain or wind, and wind in what direction, and making sure that everything's going going to. Uh, going to work the way uh, both sides in, intended to. So it's a completely collaborative effort. In fact, our, the relationship that we have with the USGA is just outstanding. The, it's it, it's a team effort all the way through. Love that. Love it. And um, uh, quickly before we move on, um, mm-hmm. among the course setup things that, you know, that I've been reading and hearing about is um, is the fairways. Now, uh, the, the idea now is to pitch the fairways in a little bit, or why don't you kind of uh, explain what you're, what you're doing with the fairways um, in particular yeah, for the w- Open? Yep, with the fairways there, uh, we made a, a few modifications on them last fall. And uh, what it does, it, it, William Flynn's architectural um, uh, design really lent itself toward angles. So if you're teeing off in one area, you may be hitting into, cross, into a cross-section of a fairway. And the work that we did last fall on the fairways accentuates these angles. So you you may have a, a wide fairway area uh, if you're looking straight down it. However, you're hitting it into an angle, so it's much narrower at that, at that point. So, it, again, it's just really coming back and working these areas and making sure that we've maintained and, and uh, recaptured the architectural intent of William Flynn. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, and I love that that like that strategy that so many clubs are doing now, like the restoration of, of courses mm-hmm. instead of the renovation, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like, especially in the Northeast, you know, I was in Westchester not too long ago, but it seems all these courses 
are getting restored like back to their almost yep. like original and i'm i'm such a fan of that design you know i, I love that oh, that too. mindset and strategy i'm like i'm so happy that so many courses are doing that because it really brings out the character that made the course mm. what it is you know Right, and that with the original architectural design. I mean, if you, it's it's unfortunate that, you know, fortunately, Shinnecock hasn't had that happen. But there are so many courses throughout the country that somebody tinkers with something and and alters the design of it, and and it really changes the the way the course plays, the way it looks, the way it feels. And uh, a place like Shinnecock, and before this, Chicago Golf Club for me, they're, they're bigger than any one person. Uh, or any any committee, and I always think of myself as a, a museum cur- curator, where mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm polishing up the frame, I'm making mm-hmm. sure that uh, that that it, it looks just right, and that the light is good on it, and, and and you know it's just bringing all these little features back. And we're so fortunate to have these photos from the 30s that we can work from, and then we've got black and white photos not only from aerial photography but from the ground level too. That allows us to see the the bunkers and the shape of greens and uh and where tees were positioned and and just to have all have these archives is, is such an uh, a great roadmap for us to work from yeah that's amazing i love that uh you're you're making uh you know changes now because you can see what it looked like back in the 30s from an aerial black yep. and white photo like you're you know you're expanding greens as to like what you're seeing like that's i mean that's that's incredible, you know. That's so funny. Yeah, and it, it's surprising to me, and I think to everyone, just how much you can lose over time, uh, mm-hmm. just from mowing. Because if you lose a couple inches a year on a corner of a green over, you know, a ten-year period, all of a sudden you've lost a few feet, and the bunker's no re- longer relevant that may be uh, immediately adjacent to it. Right. So again, by getting the put- putting surfaces right out to the edge, now you have a putt, and if you're rolling a ball or chipping a green, uh, chipping a ball up to a green. And you have a bunker immediately behind it that's green surface all the way to it. It scares you to death. Yeah, no, 100%. It changes the strategy of the hole and, and what you're thinking on the approach shots and all that. So it's like mm-hmm. it's like the butterfly effect kind of thing. But um, Oh, yeah. It, you think twice about it. Exactly. Um, last question before I'm going to ask you some questions that I solicited from the Callaway community. Um, so mm-hmm. what are what are is like one or two of like the main – differences or things that people will see on TV watching the US Open where they they might think the course plays a certain way whereas it may be different for members. So I guess what I mean by that we maybe we touched on some of the fairway things and the green things mm-hmm. but like um what are some of the main differences between how the pros will play it and how members generally play it? You know, the, the the pros will play it from, uh, and anyone in the Open Championship will play it from from the back tee. So they, the USGA has the option of setting up to a yardage of a, a, a 74.50 for uh, for the championship of par 70. Oh, that's it? And <laughs> par 70? Yeah, <laughs> n- yeah, par 70. <laughs> and, and, and most players that come out to Shinnecock aren't going to go back that far. So, I mean, that's, that's the main difference. But we maintain an, a, an extremely high level of maintenance uh, at the golf course. So from... Our perspective, uh, granted, we're going to have a, uh, an army of volunteers each day. We're going to have over 200 people in the morning and the evening going out to maintain the golf course. So, Damn. I mean, that's a big difference. Our, our staff is typically in the low to mid-30s. So, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, huge, um, a huge group that's going to be going out in, in both morning and evening to take care of this. 
the uh, the Toro company has lent us over three million dollars worth of equipment that we're going to be using oh, during the championship. So, so you'll see waves of mowers just cro- just uh, combing the golf course to make sure that it's in absolutely pristine condition. Um, so the, those are the things primarily. It's just taking what we normally do and increasing the repetition and frequency of it. All right, makes sense. That's uh, yeah, that's some crew. <laughs> you like you you raise your crew by like a thousand percent. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it, a lot of it's it's organization. I mean, we yeah. we've broken up the the tasks among our our staff members, and we've got volunteers that are coming in. We've we, we have food for them that we mm-hmm. and pretty much the whole experience. We set them up with volunteer clothing for the week, um, and just the logistics and organization and making sure that everything flows well with golf and the schedule that's set up for the championship. You know, a lot of moving parts. I've gone to uh, U.S. Opens now since two. I'm sorry, 1999, mm. and just observed what has occurred and uh, at each place. And you know what? Uh, and speaking with the superintendents afterwards, what did you? What do you feel went well? What would you do differently? And just taking that insight and then setting up our program from it. And uh, hopefully, we get most of the uh, most of the things what went well. Yeah, hopefully you guys get some sleep. I mean, it's yeah, probably around. Yeah, I know you don't not not a lot that week. We start we we start in the morning at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. and the last mower is probably in at 9 p.m. that night. So we'll mow in the morning from 4 a.m. till probably about 8:30, just a little bit ahead of uh, ahead of play. And then during the day, it's just a matter of uh, getting all our equipment ready and getting ready to go back out for the evening. Mm-hmm. And aside from any other logistics that may happen during the day and and things that pop up. And then in the evening, we'll head back out on the course probably around 5, and as I mentioned, get in around 9, 9.30. Go to, go to bed briefly, get back up, do it again. So it's that time, seven days straight. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, if there's anybody that could do it, it's you and, you and a team of 200, that's for sure. Oh, I know, I know. It, it's exciting, and everybody's excited for it. Our, our staff is, is really uh, pumped up for it and have worked hard to get the golf course in the position where it is right now to move forward, and, and pretty much it, it ends up just having the, the, that group join us and, and then just going through the, uh, going through the plan for the week. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, weather's the wild card. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to plan for the best and, and, uh, and, and hope that we get the weather that we want. Love to see some wind during oh, yeah. uh during play because that just makes this place so much harder yep and uh and just just great conditions but uh, as we all know we can't control the weather as much as we'd like to uh that weather is going to be a big factor yeah prime time baby i love it that's going to be uh, I, I, I can't wait for it but uh let's jump to some questions that i asked people on the callaway community callawaygolf.com slash community mm-hmm. um and and anybody could join there and and talk golf equipment instruction whatever it is um in this case i asked them if you had one question for uh the superintendent of shinnecock john jennings what would it be and we will start with emmanuel t he asked how much can you adjust the green speed in a 24-hour period and i thought this question was really interesting actually yeah, it is. In fact, you know, looking looking uh, with the questions, they're 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 a lot of fun. So anyway, starting off with that, and and you know that I can't just throw a number at it because right. there's so many variables. If if we have a lot of rain or humidity, that changes uh, that changes green speed a lot. It, it might be more of a challenge to get green speed. Mm-hmm. However, if it's uh, dry and uh, we have breezy conditions and the humidity is low, the the it can come up quite a bit. So. 
uh, I'm a little reluctant to throw a number at it just because it has so many variables. One yeah. thing that you have to remember with turf especially, and, and I don't know if we always do this, but it's a living thing. So it, it, it's no different than me saying, okay, how many push-ups can you do today? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how many can you do in a 20, in a 24 hour period? Um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, there's so many components that go into it. I, I hate to corner myself with a number on it. What, what would you ideally have the greens for the U S open? Yep. For the target that we're looking to start is 11 feet. We have a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, undulation on the greens. So, uh, again, erring on the side of, of being conservative, mm-hmm. um, we're going to start the week at 11 feet and then the USGA will discuss with us where they want to go from there. Love it. Sounds perfect. All right. Question two, Chris C too bad. I would like to ask him what the biggest challenge was this year in preparing the course. Mm-hmm. What do you say? It, it, it's, yeah, it's it's always the weather, and uh, just we lay out on paper what we're going to do, and, uh, and and just again last week with the rain that we had, it rained just about every single day, and trying to plan and and move forward on that, and and uh, it really becomes a challenge, and also just with the amount of um, uh, construction that's going on in the in the peripheral areas, such as the grandstands going up, TV towers, and the collateral damage that occurs when you when you do get uh, rain like that, it, it just it, it's just one more thing uh, that we've got to clean up and plan for, and 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 really guide people around so they don't damage the course. So weather is always the biggest challenge, uh, regardless of uh, of the year, uh, whether we were hosting the championship or not, but more so this year. Shane Wu asks. What steps will you and your team take to prepare the course that the average fan may not think of? Sure. The uh, Again, going back to the amount of people and equipment mm-hmm. that's coming in. I mean, people don't see the 200 individuals that are going out in the morning to prepare the <laughs> golf course with oh, raking the bunker, crazy. you know, mowing tees, collars, uh, mowing the fairways, uh, mowing bunkers, rolling greens, mowing greens, watering, changing hole locations. There's so many moving parts that go into the golf course maintenance uh, end of the championship. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's really what the, the typical fan isn't going to see because by the time golf comes on the air or even as a spectator showing up at, at Shinnecock, by the time you're in the gate, we're just about done with the morning, uh, morning end of it. So um, th- that's really uh, kind of the behind the scenes. We're, we're the behind the scenes team. All right, Todd J. Two more left. Todd J. asks, "How hard is it to change conditions on the fly?" That is a great mm-hmm. question. I think. Yeah, I think so too. But you know, too dry, too wet weather conditions. Uh, our changes. It's it, it comes down again with how many people we have and just the the talent level of people that we have too. Um, you know, as I alluded to earlier in the conversation when. I asked about uh, having to go to school to get this job. Uh, the college uh, education and science background uh, is tremendous in the turf industry, and we've got uh, the top turf people on Long Island, New York, and in the Northeast that are going to be joining us as volunteers, but also the technology that we have available to us. We have moisture meters that can uh, tell us how much moisture is in the, in the turf on any given area of the golf course. We have uh, True Firm, uh, which is a device that tells us how firm things are. We have on-site weather forecasting that can pinpoint exactly what the weather's going to do in Southampton, not only at the moment, but 
uh, in the immediate future. So you take all of these scientific inputs, and then that allows us to have a discussion and come up with a good formula to uh, to react to what needs to be done on the golf course to have it play the way um, the way it's desired to. Right. So it's a lot different than say from the last time Shinnecock hosted it. All the technology now so um, ed- and education and bodies and everything mm-hmm. is kind of uh, completely changed the way courses are set up and the way you and your team run pretty much. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's all it's it's science and fact based. I mean, there's there there is some feel and some art to it, but again, anything that we do can be backed up with science. You know, mm-hmm. if we're asked why something was done a certain way or why we watered something or why we didn't water something, we can back it up with uh, documented science that shows uh, our reasoning for the decision that we made. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, all right, Stump Nav. I like this one. This is one. <laughs> I would like to know what keeps John up at night. Is he worried about a drought, a monsoon, gophers invading, chinch bugs? I mean, I hope those are all reverse jinxes, but uh, what, uh, what's, what's keeping you up uh, at night these days? These are great. I almost feel like we need to ask Bill Murray these questions. But, <laughs> I know. you know, the one, th- the one thing that, const- that constantly worries me is that I'm going to forget something. <laughs> and it was about a year ago I was asked the same question uh, in front of a group of people. And, and I, I had a – it was funny. Like a week earlier I had a nightmare that I forgot it was the U.S. Open. And I was just opening up our building and getting things going in the morning as if it were a normal day. <laughs> and someone came down and said, where are your volunteers and where's the equipment? I went, oh, my gosh, I forgot. So it's just there's so many things happening right now that my biggest concern is that I'm going to miss something or forget something that's extremely important. Knock on wood, I haven't to date. And, again, I'm surrounded by some extremely talented people that keep me on track and make sure that we're that everybody's doing what we need to do mm-hmm. but that's that is what my biggest concern is and a, the, a lot of the volunteers are they work they work on teams at other courses right it's or Correct. Or, or, or or some of them don't work is that is that the way it works or no actually they do and if you okay. think about it i mean they're giving up uh they're giving up well it depends on, on where you're traveling from we yeah. have some individuals that will be with us for the week and that we're housing across the street at, at uh SUNY Stony, uh, Stony Brook, Southampton mm-hmm. at the college. And uh, so they'll be with us uh, for the week, but they're away from their home and their their job for the week. But we have other individuals in the immediate area, and I say immediate area, like in a 50, 50 miles east and, and west, that um, will come over here in the morning, be ready for work at 4 o'clock, um, stick around till about 9 a.m., go back to their home courses, wow. work all day, come back in the evening and then help us out again. And, I mean, those are the true champions uh, that are really uh, making a big sacrifice. And those are the guys that are – and guys and girls that are uh, tired for – really tired by the end of the week. And I say I say girls uh, tongue-in-cheek. I mean, they're women professionals are in our industry. Yeah. And we have, I believe, you know, rough number. I think we've got 20 or 25 women that will be joining us oh, to help uh, prepare the golf course for, for the championship. So good. I love that. Um, all right, and fi- the final bonus question, John. The bonus question, it's not on your sheet. It's, it's a question from me. It's very, mm-hmm. very important. If someone is going to attend the U.S. Open or going to be in the, the, the general uh, vicinity that week, what is your go-to spot or your go-to spots uh, for, for good food, maybe a cocktail? What's, uh, what's some mm-hmm. of the, your, your stomping grounds? 
over there. Yeah, I've got. I've already got it. I've already got it eyed out. Okay, so if, <laughs> if I was coming into if I was coming in to watch the championship, as soon as I got through security and went to the merchandise tent and got through that, and put my stuff aside, I am going to go up to the top of Tuckahoe Road mm. uh, toward the clubhouse, and I'm going to take a right, and I'm going to go down ten, and then I'm going to take a left over by 12T, and there's a grandstand just to the left of 12T, oh. and you're going to sit on the south corner of that and from that south corner you are going to see 10 green 11 green 11 t 12 t 12 fairway uh you can also see the atlantic ocean Oof. the peconic bay uh so i mean best spot on the course to watch golf in my opinion and then there's uh i forget what they're calling it but it's a it's like a beer garden um set up where there's oh, nice. food and drinks and that's within a hundred yards of that spot so i mean like i said if if i were coming here to watch that is where i'd camp out for the week that's amazing i may edit that out just so <laughs> all the people that listen don't take that spot and i could get that spot <laughs> but so i may that nobody might even know that you said that but we'll, we'll yeah, keep that between between uh, yeah, there's plenty there's plenty of room up there so you and a, a number of your friends can get up there and uh, and watch but what a spot i mean i've walked up there a number of times and i just keep looking at it and anyone that comes out on the court i've been asked that question yep. a few times and uh i i keep pointing everybody up there mm-hmm. and just saying this is this is where you want to be awesome and what about off the course what about a spot off the course not too far maybe that you know you're leaving the golf course and you want to stop somewhere and and get something to to eat or drink and kind of relax for a minute what's the other you have a spot in town i do my favorite spot in town and it's really low key is a place called fellingham's it's a restaurant in downtown southampton yep um great hamburgers every you have you been there oh i've been there like five times at least yeah a little like a little pub wonderful yeah homemade homemade pies for dessert the food is always good Mm -hmm. anything on the menu is tremendous and they have different uh different hamburgers it's just that's my go-to place love it that's awesome and like i said like i said real low key yeah you go in there and it's uh it's not expensive um you can go in there wearing whatever you're wearing right off the street Mm -hmm. um and uh it's just it's got a nice vibe yeah i love it because it feels like um you're in you're in like a locker room type of thing or like a little lounge and yep. like a, like a club locker room, which is like the kind of vibe, like, like the wood tables and the wood chairs and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I like, I, I dig that vibe, you know, it, it, it's very unpretentious. Yeah. And so it's, it, it, it just has a, it has a nice, a nice low key atmosphere and it's fun to go in there with friends. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, listen, I've taken up enough of your time. You've, you've come on and you've, you've, you've laid the groundwork for what is uh, going to be, I mean, Geez, for so many people who have been looking forward to this, it's it's finally coming up. Um, mm-hmm. I wish you and your team the best of luck, and uh, thanks again for coming on. And and listen, if you have if any issues at all as it relates to uh, golf equipment, I could help you, but not so much, <laughs> <laughs> not so much, uh, not you the know, agriculture. Exactly, yeah. So, um, but thanks again very much, John. You're the man, and um, I hope to see you out there um, in a couple weeks for sure. AJ, I look forward to it. Thank you for having me on. I really, uh, really love talking to you about about our, our setup for Shinnecock, and also the questions were a lot of fun too. It's uh, it, it's great to to dive into uh, topics about what's going on and hear what people are thinking about when it comes to uh, to golf courses and championship golf preparation. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, take care. Best of luck, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.